Well, come on, church. I want you to get your Bibles out tonight. I'm going to preach you happy tonight. Maybe be a little painful getting there, but it's, you're going to be happy. I never leave you in despair. I don't leave you in the pain. I just take you through the pain and then tell you what God wants to do for you. Amen? Had never left you there. Won't do it. Won't you go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 tonight. You know, in, when, when you read the book of 1 and 2 Thessalonians, it's, an, it, it's a really an awesome book. Books, letters. And, you know, it's a, it was a church in Greece, and the Apostle Paul had been there. The, the, they, had, they had flourished. They had done good. Then he has to send them a letter. First letter was kind of telling them, hey, guys, you're getting a little off track. And then second letter, he said, hey, man, I heard y'all really doing good. You know, everything's all right. But the interesting thing about the, the book of Thessalonians is, is that there's probably more in First and Second Thessalonians about the Lord's return than there is in any of the other uh, epistles written. So he was, he was really telling the church at that time that the thing that was going to keep them encouraged and keep them going was to think that, you know, to keep your, your focus on Jesus coming back. You know, I believe that the world has lost touch with the real reality. They've lost touch of the real reality that Jesus is real, that the gospel is real, that the Bible is real, that the promises of God are real. People, people are living, there's a lot of people call themselves Christians, but they're living in a fantasy world. They live in a world of, of denominations and a, a world of just um, rhetoric and, and ritual and tradition. And, the, and they've, they've lost the fact that Jesus is real and that Jesus is coming back. Amen? And so... I want to show you something. The title of this message is, What does a real Christian look like? Or maybe I could just say, shorten it a little bit and say, What does a Christian look like? Okay? You think about that. I used to I love to go into uh, Christian bookstores and stand around and then guess at the people that are in there what denomination they were from. And I could always tell about then what books they bought. And so I would watch, and I would just sit there and just observe, and I just looked at the way that everybody was and the way everybody acted and the way everybody's speech was, and I was saying, oh, that's a, you know, that's a certain denomination or that one down there. And, uh, but, you know, you can't, you can't determine a Christian by that. You can't determine a Christian by the way that they dress. You can't determine a Christian by the length of their hair. I've always thought it was funny. I'm just throwing this out here. I don't want anybody to really, you know, get all offended about it. But I always thought it was funny that they used to always get on everybody about the length of their hair, men about the length of their hair. When they had a picture of Jesus hanging up that's got shoulder-length hair. I always thought, now, why is that? You know, like, are you going to jump on Jesus too? But I, I really think that, that Jesus could walk in a church, and, uh, and uh, I don't think anybody would recognize him. I remember one time I took off. I talked to the to the board, and I said, look, I want to take a couple of Sundays off, and I want to go visit churches. I want to see what everybody else is doing. Been here, preach every Sunday. I never know what anybody else is doing. So uh, I decided I, I took a pair of clothes, and I just wore them all week and got them all good and dirty. And then when Sunday came, I put them on, and then I got on my Harley, and I rode to different churches. Went in with my leather vest on and everything. And I just want to see how I was received. It was amazing how I was received. <laughs> And it wasn't always Christian either. You know, it's like, oh, you can sit way over there. And I never forget, I went into this church. I won't tell you what church it was. But I went into this church, and it was kind of uppity. Everybody was dressed up, and it was kind of uppity. And, man, I was, you know, I was, I was kind of stinky. 
And, uh, and I walked in, and I remember I looked over the church, and everybody was like, I mean, it's almost like one of those things where you could see people slide over and say, oh, good, watch out, don't let him get over here on this, sit by me. And I looked over, and there was another biker in there. He goes, hey. <laughs> he was like, there's somebody I can relate to. And so I was like, hey, buddy. Went over there and sat by him, you know. So we had two smelly bikers there, and everybody looking at us the whole time, thinking we were the shooters, you know. <clears throat> and so anyway, it's just interesting. But what does a real Christian look like? What does a Christian look like? So 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, Paul starts to tell us something. Let's just read this tonight. It says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and your faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endured, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. The first thing I want to show you here, I'm just going to go through this kind of fast tonight because, like I said, i got to kind of put out some stuff that may beat you up a little bit. And I'll tell you the happy part at the end. But the first thing you notice here is it says you have faith that grows. Not faith that you used once to get saved. Faith that's growing, faith that's building. In other words, what last year got you upset shouldn't upset you this year because your faith grew. Right? The trauma that happened or the tribulation, let's use the biblical term here, let's say tribulation that you tribbed through last year. When it comes upon you this year, or is anything about that, you should look at it and just, and it, you should be able to overcome it because your faith grew. Our faith has to always be growing. Your faith is something that never, like you've just obtained to perfect faith. I don't care who you are, I don't care how long you've been saved. Your faith has to grow. Well, I hate to tell you, but faith grows through tribulation. Faith doesn't grow because you prayed longer. Faith can grow because you get, gain wisdom and you gain understanding. But faith grows when it's tested and it's tried. Hello? So right now we're in a time in this world where faith is getting tested and tried. Right? And instead of us pulling back from it and thinking, oh, I wish this would go away, we should be saying, ha, ha, my old faith's going to grow through this. I'm going to be stronger through this. I'm abounding through this. Because the second thing he says is that these Christians, their love didn't dwindle. It abounded. Now, the Bible tells us at the end of times that the love of many, is, it says, is going to grow cold. So think about this. I just, want to, I just want to throw this out there. I mean, y'all go study it. Go look at it some more. But if their love grew cold, that means it must have had hot love at some time because how could their love gotten cold unless it had been hot? Right? I mean, if you get something, it's a cold dish. You get it out of the fridge, you eat it, it's cold. It was cold, it was cold. But if it was hot and then it got cold, that means it had to have been hot at some time. And you're following me here. Y'all don't look too happy and excited here. Not seeing a lot of smiles out there. Look, 
It says that love began to abound towards each other. It didn't grow cold. The Bible tells us that in this last days, the love of many is going to grow cold. Does that mean Christians quit loving? Well, you could if you weren't really a Christian to start out with. But the Bible says that if you're a Christian, and, and, and what does a Christian look like? Your faith is growing and then you begin to love people. Now, come on. The hardest chapter nobody ever likes to read is 1 Corinthians 13. Because it goes into this, this crazy talk. Love bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. You know, that's crazy talk. Nobody wants to do that. Right? Nobody wants to put somebody else above their selves. I hope you succeed, brother. I really do. More than me. No, no. It's like, yeah, let's both succeed together. That is where you kind of brought it down. You know, not like, oh, I want to succeed. No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm in love. Let's just both succeed together. Right? Come on. But this isn't a, a true Christian that I, if I'm loving you, I want you to succeed more than I succeed. See, this is why a lot of people don't want to really be a Christian. They just want to go to heaven when they die. But they want to die on their own terms at their own time. Folks, if we are, if we are, which I guarantee you, tomorrow we'll be closer to the end times than we are right now. It's a no-brainer. But if we are entering into a time of the tribulation coming up, that's the next event going to take place, or the rapture of the church and then the tribulation started. If we are getting closer to that, like it's really just at the door, well, then you're going to see the love of many start to grow cold. Colder than it is now. Because, folks, I tell you, I am, I, I just stand around and I don't know what I'm going to do about it. I don't know how to, I don't know how to grasp the, the uh, reality of, of what, of how little people care about people. How little, I mean, in wars and, and, and human trafficking and, you know, the, the, the horrible things that are going on in the world. And when I hear about this, I'm just like, what kind of a person does something like that? But, man, the love of many has grown cold already. But it says as a Christian, your love should be abounding, abounding, abounding. Abounding is not like, come on, your dog abounds on you. When you drive up and he runs out to meet you, he is abounding. Oh, yeah, y'all out there. I know I can see y'all through the shadows out there. I know you're out there. Right? That love abounding, is that your way your love abounds? Like your dog coming to greet you when you drive up and you're running and here he comes? Is that the way your love's abounding to everybody? Somebody's mad at you, somebody hates you, somebody did you wrong, and you're going to abound in love towards them? Woohoo! Oh, then the third thing it says is he said your patience in tribulation and persecution. What? Your patience and tribulation and persecution? Folks, listen to me. The only way, the only way, well, let me give you the fourth one. The fourth one was, he says, and then you have endurance. That means you have the ability to keep doing it. 
the ability to keep your faith growing, your love abounding, your patience through tribulation, and keep doing it. Okay? And keep doing it. The only way that a person can do that is you already have to know what the end result is. That's why the Apostle Paul taught the, the church at, at, at Thessalonica all about Jesus coming back. He said, look, keep that in your mind. Jesus is coming back, and then God's going to right all the wrongs, and everything's going to be okay. At the end, it's going to be all right. He's doing the good work, and you just keep looking at that. And as you do, it's going to keep you happy. Because then you can look at what's going on now, and you can say, oh, it's okay. It's going to be all right because it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. This morning, I, I thought Jesus was coming. I was out early praying, and I looked up in the sky. And you know how, you know, the cedar's kind of up around here a little bit. you know. And, and so I, I was a little bit, you know, like, like a person that smokes about 10 packs a day. I was coughing up all kinds of stuff, and I was a little woozy. And I looked up into the sky, and I was praising God. And I looked up in the sky, and there was some low-level clouds. And the clouds were moving, but they, they, were, they weren't solid. And I could see the stars. And as they were moving, it looked like the stars were like there was something coming out. And I was like, Lord, is that you? And I was like, oh, no, I'm just, <clears throat> just dizzy with cedar here. <laughs> it's just clouds moving. But, man, I was ready. Y'all with me? My point is, is that Paul kept pointing on them and saying, look, Jesus is coming back. Everything's going to be okay. Don't worry. God's got it all taken care of. He's going to take care of the whole thing. Let's read on. Look at verse 6. He says, since it is a righteous thing that God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in a flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's a statement. He's like, folks. It's going to be okay. You know, you're just going to have to find the rest of God because he's coming back. When he comes back, man, it is not going to be pretty for those who don't believe in him. He's coming back in fire and, you know, whoo. Right? But he said, he said right here, and to give you who are troubled, rest with us. The rest of God that only comes through fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now, Sunday, I want to start teaching some more about, about the Holy Spirit because we have to understand this rest of the Holy Spirit. If you really understand what it means to walk in the rest of God, that means tribulation and persecution and all this because you're keeping your mind straight, you're keeping your focus right, you're keeping what's going on. It doesn't trouble you. If things that are going on that you think should be happening and should be taking place aren't, it doesn't matter because you know God's got it in his hand and he's going to get you there where it needs to be. But it's having that faith and confidence. And so, so many of us were looking at the world and the situations in the world and, the, and, and what's going on and focusing on that. And you're looking and you're starting to freak out because you're like, wait, it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like it's going my way. Let's look down at verse 9. Goes on, he says, These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe. 
Because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasures of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, the goal is everlasting life in the presence of Almighty God. Do you realize he says those people who don't believe were taken away from the presence of God? The presence of God. When the, that's what hell is, is it's a void of the presence of God. It's void of the goodness of God. It's void of, of the light of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. It's void of that. And so he says, he says, man, the goal, the goal in life is you got to remember it's everlasting glory in the presence of God. That's the goal. Now, I want you to look at something here. Look here where it says, um, when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints. It doesn't say through his saints. It says in his saints. Y'all see that? It doesn't say through his saints. So many times, listen to me, so many times Christians are looking for, you know, the power of God to shoot out of their hand and do something. And then that's God's working through them. Oh, God was working through me and I gave a word of prophecy. God was working through me and I had a word of knowledge. God was working through. Wait a minute. He says here that he's coming to be what? Glorified in his saints. In other words, Christ that's already in you. People look at it and say, my goodness. It's Jesus. It's in you. Well, folks, if you're abounding in love, walking through patience, through tribulations, and people looking at you saying, you know, that would have killed anybody else. That discouraging thing would have put anybody in the mental hospital, but wait a minute. You seem to be happy. You're like, yeah, Jesus is coming. <laughs> going to get me. I'm going to be living in eternal glory in the presence of God. You see, folks, the reality, no matter what's going on, no matter what craziness is happening in our government, no matter what craziness is going on in the world, no matter what people are screaming and what protests are taking place and what's going on and what's happening with the economy and this and that and the other, it doesn't make any difference, man. It's Jesus in your life and that he starts manifesting so much that he's coming in you just Now, look what it says here. This is so simple, it's mind-blowing. It's so simple, it really is mind-blowing. And I can tell somebody this, and they're just going to say, yeah, well, well, okay, yeah, yeah. He says, and be glorified in his saints, and to be admired among all those who believe. Do you realize, church, it's the simple faith and belief in Jesus Christ that he is the Son of God that he came to this earth, that he died on a cross for our sins. And that if you confess him with your mouth and believe in him in your heart, 
that God raised him from the dead to prove he's the son of God, and you ask him to forgive you your sins, that simple belief is what brings all of this about. That belief. Not the belief, not the, the works that you climbed Mount Everest. Not the works that, you know, you, you, you jumped through a fiery hoop. The simple faith. The simple faith. That you have that knowing, man, folks, listen to me, knowing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That simple faith. He's coming back because he looks down and he says, Nick, there's a guy named Nick and he loves Jesus. He, he, he believes in Jesus. And I, man, I love that guy because he believed in Jesus. Not because you did everything right. Not because you could quote the Bible forwards and backwards. Not because you knew more scripture than anybody else. Oh, that got somebody. Because when you start dealing it by works, oh, look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Folks, you're off track. That's what makes us all equal in the eyes of God is do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And that simple belief, man, it so excites heaven. He said, I'm coming back to get you. And he's going to burst through the sky. He's going to come back with his angels. He's coming back for us because you believed in him. On a simple level, on a simple plane, if, uh, we'll just, I'll just use David for an example. You write a book and everybody comes up and you write, and you said, yeah, I read your book the other day. It was terrible. didn't like it. And you say, okay, well, there's one person. Well, let's just give it a break. You know what I mean? It's just one person, you know. Next person comes up. Say, yeah, I read the book the other day. Yeah, it's terrible. I didn't like it. After a while, people keep telling you that. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to say, oh, my God. Ain't nobody believes in it. Hello? But then when people start coming up to you and saying exactly the opposite, say, man, I read that book. Changed my life. Read that book. Changed my life. Read that book. It's blessing. blessed. Gave that book to my son over there. Blessed him. Gave that book over there. It's blessed him. I read that book. It blessed me. I read that book. And I want to order some more. Sales start going out. You start ordering like this. And wow, they believe in me. That feels good on, even on a human level that somebody believed the truth that you wrote. Right? Okay. Look how excited the son of the living God is that you're willing to stand on planet earth, fight all a hell, fight all a doubt and unbelief, fight every lying thing that the devil could conjure up, fight everything, stand in the face of adversity, stand enduring no matter what's going on, no matter if it's not even going your way. And stand there and say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. He says, that one I'm coming back for. That one's going to live in my presence forever. That one's coming. I'm going to go get him. See, not the hoops you jumped through, not because you were so special and you did so many good things for Jesus. No, because you believed in him. That's the catalyst that kicks everything off because you believed in him. Then the apostle Paul, look what he says here. He said that our God would count you worthy of this calling. He says it's a calling. What do you do in life? I'm a believer in Jesus. No, no, no. What do you do in life? No, I'm a believer in Jesus. <laughs> no, I mean, you're a plumber, a mechanic. No, no, I'm a believer in Jesus. That's my calling. I'm called to believe in Jesus. You see how complicated we make everything? 
We try to get God to be doing all these things for us and building all these things for us and doing all these works for us and bringing all these things about and trying to make this and that and the other. If we do this and, oh, look at that, we're going to do that. When we're, who are we? It's a calling that we're just a believer. And if he wants to work through you and do something, then glory. If he doesn't, then just be glad you're a believer. Okay. He said he's doing this, why? To fulfill the good pleasures of God's goodness. To fulfill the good pleasures of his goodness. To fulfill the good pleasure. You're you're called to be a believer and walk in the things of God and let Jesus, not through you, but in you, be glorified so that everybody can say, look how good God is. Save that fool. You see what I'm saying, church? You see how religion can take this and turn it all around and just, just make everything about works and about striving and about strife and about all just, just and when, when the whole thing is just, are you a believer? Yeah, oh, glory to God, brother. But then, see, they forget the part about love abounding. Christians can be some of the meanest people on the face of the earth. And if you're out there and you're watching this and you know you're a mean Christian, you're convicted right now, you know you're a mean Christian, then stop it. And then the last thing here, he says, and that the name of Jesus would be glorified. Folks, listen to me. When it comes back, do you realize that I don't know how it works? Okay. I'm just I'm just preaching. I'm just having fun with this message. I don't know how it all works. But when Jesus comes back, all right. And the second advent, he comes and he steps on one foot on Mount Moriah and he's splitting it up there and everything. When he steps back, he's I, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know if everyone's just going to say, oh, gosh, that's Jesus. You know. Says he's got his name on the sides of his thighs and everything, but I don't know if they're going to see it or he's going to say, I'm Jesus whom you persecuted. I don't know how that's going to work out. But at that moment, do you realize that all the schemes, all the, the, the you know, the, 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 the schemes is the best word that the enemy has planned in this world to, I mean, literal big schemes to topple nations and to kill people and to do all this. And all the schemers are going to have to sit there and say, uh-oh. Jesus. And then all us little people, we're going to come out there and say, hey, Jesus. And he's like, yeah, those are my believers over there. They believed in me when you didn't. And boy, we're going to look smart. We're going to look real smart. Right? What did you do? I'm a believer. (laughs) I just believed that he was the son of God. That's all that mattered. You're going to look really smart. Stand over on the believer's side, not the doubter's side. And there could be doubters over there that know you and screaming at you, saying, I know him. I know what he did last Saturday. And you could just be standing over there with a big smile on your face saying, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. I did the one right thing. Okay. 
So let me show you now back from 1 Thessalonians. Jump over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let me show you two things or three things here. Let me see how many got one. Three things real quick of what, because you see, churches are interesting. It's like I, I noticed this traveling around when I was traveling in the world and, and you know, you're going to Mexico and you're going to different countries and you, you go into one church and, and they have a certain spirit. The people are a certain way. And then you go to another church and they may be different. Still people, they're believers, but because of whatever's going on, whatever their environment is or whatever, you know, they're, they're there. And you get to some little churches. I remember we went to this one church. And, man, you talk about prayer people. I mean, when, when, when they said, let's pray, I mean, it was, a, I mean, it was like, <laughs> I mean, people went to pray, and I never saw praying like this. I mean, we're talking people that you, anybody else would have called them homeless, but they had homes. They were just poor. And they're out there, man, and people just, I mean, they went to pray, and I was like, man, Lord, this is prayer. And then you go to another church, but it, maybe it wasn't as focused on prayer, but it was focused on worship. And, I mean, that church right there, you know, just the praise and the worship just seemed like it just elevated you and took you to heaven, okay? But the church, what did the church do? What is this church, this church of Thessalonians, the Thessalonians, what, what made this church, what did they do? It tells us here in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, why these people could walk in this, could abound in love, walk in with, you know, in, through the persecutions and the tribulations in life and walk through all these things. There were certain things that they did that got them there. Okay? In verse 13, I mean, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it was as it is the, in truth, the word of God, which also effectually works in you who believe. These people, when they heard the Apostle Paul preaching and telling about Jesus, they didn't think that it was just the words of a man. They took it as that is the truth. That is the living word of God. That is the word of God coming out of his mouth. I never forget a, 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 a friend I knew, Jim Scalise, and he was... Uh, was in jail, he was in prisons, and uh, he uh, got saved in the prison, and then every Sunday he would go to church, and all the people kept talking to him, why are you going to church this week? You know, this is the Catholic service, and he said, well, he didn't know anything, never been in a church, so he'd go to the service, and the Catholic priest would do the thing, he'd come back and say, oh man, I was in church, and God was speaking to me, he told me this and that and the other, and like, that was a Catholic service. And then the next week, it'd be there, and me, the Methodist, will say. And so he'd go back in Methodist service. They'd do it and everything. He'd come back, man, God is speaking to me. He spoke to me about everything like this. And then the next week, it'd be the Baptist. And he'd come back, and he'd say, and they were like, no, dude, that don't work like that. If you're a Methodist, you're Methodist. You just go to the Methodist church. You don't go wherever we, because then that's the Catholics. We don't believe with Catholics. And they're trying to tell him, but he says, I don't know. I just know that when I go in the chapel, God's there, and he speaks to me. And I never get his testimony about that. Because it's just like these, this church at Thessalonians, you know what I'm talking about. The Thessalonians, that they, they, when they heard the word of God, they received it as truth. And God spoke to them. And how many people are going to a church, and of course there may be preachers that aren't preaching truth, but if you're preaching truth, you're declaring. That's why we as a church have to stand here and keep declaring the truth so that the truth can go forth, that people can hear the truth, not the, like it came from me, but it's the truth of God's word that he can speak to their hearts and touch them. And without that, we have nothing. But that's the first thing that church did. The second thing, 
You find it in, in chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1. He says, finally then, brethren, we urge you to ex- and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you, if you receive from us how you ought to walk to please the Lord. The second thing is, is that they did, they, they lived a life that they wanted to walk to please God. Not please man, not please themselves, but please God. They wanted to please God in what they did. So you have to ask yourself, what you're doing, is it pleasing God? Is your walk pleasing God? The third one is, is in verse 7, 1 Thessalonians 4, 7. For God did not call us to uncleanliness, but to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who also has given us his Holy Spirit. The third thing they did is they kept themselves pure. Listen, kept themselves pure to the truth. You see, a lot of people want to say what pure is. But they kept themselves pure to the truth, the truth of God's word. Listen to me. Do not, in these days, let yourself get taken over to, by the, to the left or to the right and get off track of the truth of God's word. Do not let someone skew the word and say, yeah, but, you know, if you look at it this way, it could mean do not stay pure and true to the word of God. And that's it. And you cannot move from it. And if you do that, huh? You walk a walk that's pleasing, and you take the word that's been preaching to you, the word, when you're reading it, it is the truth of God's word coming out to you. When the word is being preached, it is the word of God that comes out, not the Reader's Digest. They still make the Reader's Digest? Okay. The Reader's Digest, not the Reader's Digest, okay? It is the living word of God. When it's spoken to you, you take it and you say, God, that's you speaking to me. And if you do those three things, then you'll be that church and you're going to get to see Jesus come back. You get to stand on the side of the believers. You go through persecution. You go through whatever. You're going to have a smile on your face and you're going to find the rest of God. Amen. So the good news is tonight is, man, there's a way to succeed. There's a way to walk through it and find rest. There's a way to find peace. Now, I want to encourage you tonight and just simply this. Listen, that you're a believer. Everybody say, I'm a believer. Those of you out there watching, listen to me. If you're not a believer, well, then I told you how to become a believer. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You've got to say with your heart and confess with your mouth. You've got to come into that place in life where you're saying, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. Forgive me my sins. I want to live in heaven with you. And he'll touch you right wherever you are. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you think you are, if you're a believer in Jesus, there's a place for you in heaven. But you've got to be a believer not a doubter. And so right there, you can change your course in life. For those of you tonight that you're sitting here and you know that you are a believer, listen, you need to pat yourself on the back and say, thank you, Lord, for calling me. Kind of lift your head a little higher and know that because you're a believer, man, all of heaven's for you. All of heaven's for you. And my Jesus is coming back. He's coming back, man. He's going to burst through. He's coming back. And when he comes back, man, is it going to be a good time. It is going to be a good time. Amen? Amen. So, put that in your hat. 
No, how about put that in your pipe and smoke it? It's going to say put that in your hat and keep it, but just go ahead and put it in your pipe and smoke it. That's a good word. Amen? Amen. Well, put your Bibles up, stand up, and I want to pray for you. So, Father, I just declare right now, we rejoice tonight that, Lord, you have called us and you've brought us to this place where we are believers in you. Lord, I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, and I thank you, Lord, that that day is coming, and we're gonna, you're going to work right. You're going to come bursting out in us, Lord God, through us, around us, all over us, Lord, but we're just here with you to be glorified. And, Lord, I, I, we want to bring glory to you in every day of our life, so we choose this day, Lord, to walk as believers, to walk, Lord God, being blessings to others, to abound in love, Lord, to walk in the love walk, to encourage one another, to hold one another up, to bless one another, to pray for one another. Lord God, as we walk through the perilous times, the tribulation times that we're in. And so, Lord, I just thank you for blessing them tonight, pouring your goodness and love upon them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you.